Hi guys, it's another episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You, and today I have an all-star that's joining me. No, for real, I'm talking about an apartment all-star. So I'm not gonna give it away right away, maybe you can guess. This individual has been leasing apartments her entire adult life. In fact, she made a name for herself with her stellar leasing record, winning all sorts of awards. You'll hear more about it in our interview today. Um, she's been a consultant. She's been a speaker all over nationwide with so many different apartment associations, management companies, really training and educating. But she's always stayed grounded, being a part of the on-site team so that she can really talk the talk and walk the walk. In addition to that, uh, just a few years ago, she joined a development company. And so she actually is uh, a development partner, I wanted to make sure I get it right, and Senior Vice President of Operations for Huntington Residential. And with, I mean, the story is incredible from leasing agent, all in her career to national speaker, and now apartment developer, which is just so cool. So let me give you one more hint. She has an impeccable fashion uh, style. She's got great style. You recognize her, you know her. You guys have come to really love and admire her, and I'm so thankful to have her on today. So today, I'm having a conversation with the one and only Kate Good, and we go into everything. So she shares some things that she's never shared before, which I was so honored that she did that. And we talk about everything. Nothing is off limits. Um, maybe some of the stigmas that have been put on her, things that have maybe could have held her back in her career but didn't. She shares some foundational tips that helped her advance in her career to ultimately have the job that really combines so many of her passions. We talk fashion, we talk style, and we talk about how she wants to be remembered. And so I think you guys are gonna love this conversation. I did, it was it was a treat for me, so I think it's gonna be a treat for you. So enough of me, let's, get, let's start talking to Kate, okay? Welcome to the Marketing Home, Marketing You podcast, a show for busy multifamily and real estate professionals that want to kick butt in their careers without sacrificing their lives or their sanity. Week after week, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing brings you quality conversations with industry leaders, mini marketing workshops, and step-by-step -step guides on everything marketing, business, and career growth. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some outside-the-box ideas from the girl that lives inside the shipping container box. As a role model they follow what you're doing they look at your career they've just been you know it's, they look and I think it's because not only um, of your incredible energy and positivity that you bring and your experience and all the kind of facets that you have brought but I think when people look at you it's almost like they can say what could be in my life like what all the things that are opened up and so for those that maybe don't know your story very well, can you kind of share a little bit about how you got started in this industry and maybe just some of the roles that, you, um, that you've undertaken? Well, probably like a lot of people, my plan was not to go into the apartment industry. I really wanted to be an interior designer. And I, I think when I said that, I wasn't really even sure what that was, but as, as life kind of took its twists and turns, I ended up living in, I grew up in Ohio. I ended up living in South Florida when I was um, 18 and with my best friend that I ran around high school with. And um, 
I needed a job and I was working in a hotel as a serving bar attendant. My job was to replenish those little bars every morning with Toblerone chocolates and Diet Cokes, whatever you rated in the middle of the night. That was my job. And I liked it. And I was, I was somewhat ambitious. I wanted to get promoted to the front desk. <laughs> I thought that was glamorous. And then my, my buddy from Ohio decided she was moving back to Ohio. And there was no way I was moving back to Ohio because I loved living at the beach. So I decided I needed to figure out um, a home for myself. And I moved, I, I kind of drove around and I found an apartment community and I went in to lease an apartment and I had never seen anything like it with pools and tennis courts and Okay, this was a while ago. I had a racquetball court. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, this, I could live someplace like this. This is amazing. And believe it or not, like the color of my shirt, um, they had a carpet, a carpet choice that was called cherry. Yeah. And it was this color. And that's what I picked. <laughs> I would, okay. I, I didn't even tell you this. I almost wore that color pink, but I thought Kate's going to probably be in pink. So I want to pick the same carpet. When I was getting dressed today, I put this shirt on and I thought, I bet Barbara wears this color too. <laughs> it's very Hello Kitty. So I picked the Hello Kitty apartment. I was so excited. And I went back to my job the next day and I got fired as a survey bar attendant. Oh no. And this is the part of the story that everybody wants me to go in that direction. Why did you get fired? And I don't really want to talk about it other than the pictures are really good. Okay. <laughs> but I went back out to the apartment community and uh, Tony Stone was my leasing consultant. And uh, she said, uh, or I told her that I lost my job. And she said, well, what do you do? And very proudly, I said, I am a survey bar attendant. And apparently that made me qualified to be a leasing consultant. <laughs> I didn't know that. Wow. And I got hired and um, to be a leasing consultant. And so I didn't know what that was all about other than I would get a rent discount. And that I called my parents and I told them the company and it was Trammel Crow. And we're originally from, from Texas and my parents knew about Trammel Crow from Dallas. And my mom just said, that's a great company. And you, you just dig in. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I really didn't know what leasing apartments was all about. I, I, I didn't even think that people would just shop around. I thought when they came to see this apartment community, because we had a pool and a racquetball court, that it would just lease. You know, I just, <laughs> I had no idea. I'd never been exposed to this before, but I really owe my first few steps to, to Tony Rochelle Stone, who said, Kate, this company is great. They provide, they promote from within it's fun. You'll always have a beautiful apartment to live in. And you know, at 18, I felt like I was ahead of the world. I went for it. Yeah. Oh, I, my story is so similar that I, I felt like I was like, cause you know, they were doing a lot of leasing commissions back then. I thought I hit yeah. the jackpot. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, for, I was the same age, 18. You feel like it was the best, it was the best accidental career choice. It sounds like for both of us. Yeah, for sure. And talk about leasing commissions. Our, my base salary was $14,400. So 
my first message to everybody is don't get in this job for the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But it's, and I've spoken at universities and, and when I open up Q&A, they always ask me, how much money do you make? And I'm like, well, I don't want to tell them how much money I make today, but I tell them how much money I made my first year, 14400 But that was a long time ago. But um, we did have a really robust uh, bonus program. We had a chance to drive a Mercedes SL if you were the top leasing consultant. And I really was motivated by those rewards. Um, not just getting cash in my bank account, but the reward of a job done really well. And so for me to have the opportunity to work for a company that had a lot of internal training, and a wonderful apartment association that had a lot of education and my company was willing to send me there and i noticed that the better i got the more training they provided for me so i felt very early on that i could be a superstar if i just kept performing and showing them that the investment in me is paying off that for them then it would certainly pay off for me and so very quickly, I found a connection between education and performance. And then I found a connection between uh, performance and goal setting, because in my first class, Leasing 101, and back then it was a whole week, and we were role playing on, on these big video cameras, and, um, it, and it was a lot of intensive classroom work. One of the things that we did was we wrote down our goals, three-month goal, six-month goal, one-year goal, three- to five-year goal. My three to five year goal was to take the job of the person that was teaching that class. Oh, wow. <laughs> How bold is that? And, um, and it happened. It happened. And we had to set a date for the goal. And my date was June 10th. I, I, I'd have to think about the year. It was early 90s. And I was promoted on June 12th to That's director of incredible. training. So, you know, it's... <laughs> For me, goal setting has always been just the cornerstone of having a vision and then figuring out what it's going to take to get there. Well, and it sounds like you really became that superstar. I mean, tell, talk a little bit about some of the accolades that you received there when you were with Trammell Crow. Well, the ones that I remember more than anything are the ones that I got in trouble for, <laughs> the trouble I got into. Um, because I think that now that I'm a leader and now that I'm creating these leasing environments for my team, I think about what made me uh, successful. It was the training, it was the leadership, but it was also this kind of self-starting that I did. And, um, and I, I, didn't always, I didn't always do it exactly as they told me to do it, but I did it so it worked for me. And one particular time stands out and I, I, when I'm interviewing people and I'm developing my team, I really think about this because I want the person who would dare to do what I did. <laughs> and this is what happened. So back to the bonus check. Um, I had a bonus check coming to me and it was the biggest one that I would have ever seen in my life. It was $3,600. Oh. I mean, even today yeah. I would be like ecstatic, you know, when I get a $3,600 check. Anyway, but back then I, I was 19 and $3,600, man, this was game changing money. I think my car was in need of repair. I probably wanted to fly home and see my mom and dad. I could do it with that money, but I, I didn't get the check because my paperwork was not perfect. And we were a bond finance property, which is 
tax credit today and um, we had to have perfect paperwork and they audited my files. And if my files weren't perfect, they were, they could lose the bond financing. And so it had to be perfect. And this was not something that I was good at. <laughs> and when they held $3,600, man, they were making a statement. You know, this was not my first warning. This was like my third warning and it happened. They kept that paycheck. And so I, I, I mean, there were tears involved and I cried on, on my way home from work. And the next morning I called a temp agency and I hired a temp out of my own pocket and I showed her a perfect file. I had the assistant manager help me write a perfect file. And I told her I was going to get my files perfect. I needed three days and all of my files were going to be perfect. And <laughs> she uh, I, I hired this temp and I loved her and we sat down and I showed her how to do a file. And I said, well, you're doing my files. I'm going to go lease apartments. And the, the manager came back from a morning meeting and his name was Glenn Rand. And he looked at this, uh, this temp and he says, who are you? And she gave her name and he said, I don't know you. You don't work here. And she said, I work for Kate. And he said, no one works for Kate. <laughs> Kate works for me. No one works for Kate. And she said, well, I'm a temp. And she hired me to help with my paperwork, with her paperwork. So I went out, I was leasing an apartment. I came back in. Of course they got the lease. Thank God. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, get in my office right now. And I ran into his office and I said, I got a lease. I got a lease. Why are you so upset? He said, you hired a temp. And I said, yeah, to do my paperwork. So I can be out leasing apartments and you can give me my bonus check. And he said, seriously, I don't know whether to fire you or promote you. And I, my head was on the block. Like I could have been fired that day, but as luck would have it, he had a meeting that afternoon with the regional manager and all the other managers in the region. And he, he talked about this problem that he had with this militant leasing consultant named Kate. And they all said, I'll take her, I'll take her because that bonus check that they hired or that they held for me was for 53 leases. And there wasn't a property in the portfolio that didn't need 53 leases. And I got them. So it, it made them think about really how to help our sales team be successful. Now, I will say to this day, our paperwork is very important. But, you know, leasing was my job. And I figured out a way to be uber successful at my job. And they figured out a way to support me to be uber successful at my job. And so from that day forward, I always had somebody helping me with my paperwork. And that was really important to me because I have dyslexia. Um, it, I have a, a really hard time with, with focusing on, on that type of thing. And, but I knew what I was good at. And I just wanted to generate traffic and get more leases and someday teach other people how to do that. That's the best story. So you were like, basically having a virtual assistant before that was cool and you were figuring out how to make things scalable and, and working towards your strengths. So yeah, I think that to me, that's the perfect segue because I think sometimes that people can look, you know, they look at you and they think, okay, well, Kate's beautiful. She's charming. And they might think that your path has just been handed to you or been so easy. And you know, when we talked about this and we said, we're going to keep this as such a positive kind of a blueprint for where people can go. I know that it wasn't handed to you or wasn't easy, but you've, you've been gracious enough to kind of share 
the steps that you feel have gotten you to this point and maybe some of the challenges along the way. So where, where do you think you would start with that? Well, I really, I really didn't think about telling this story until just now. Um, I'm going to give you some scoop, Barbara, that this is something I've never revealed before. I've never told anyone the story before. Maybe, maybe for about 20 years, I haven't told the story. And when, when I talked about it, it was only in the time that it happened. But um, Trammell Crow was doing a lot of advertising. And, and we were, because we had like 20 some lease ups happening in the South Florida region. And they wanted to do some billboard advertising. And they asked me and this really good looking guy who worked for our company to be on a billboard. And we were holding a baby and we were like this, you know, gorgeous family who chose to live at Trimble Crow Communities. And at the time, I remember being really flattered that I was picked to be on this billboard. And um, when the billboard came out, I was at a, a company meeting and somebody made a really scary comment to me. And they said, you know, we figured out that um, attractive people lease more apartments and you were hired because you're attractive. Wow. And I suddenly I saw no flattery in that. I, I saw n n nothing um, about me that, that, that they saw that I wanted to be. I did feel objectified. I did feel that um, that wasn't fair and that wasn't true because I see people all throughout the company being successful and we had all walks of life there. And, and, you know, it, South Florida is just a melting pot of immigration and um, all sorts of beauty inside and out. And I just, I remember feeling very um, sad that, that, it, it was, it was said to me, not as a compliment either. It was said to me like, know your place. And so I knew at that point I had a, a tag on me that, oh, she was hired for her looks. And I, I will admit there were, there, I, I had a really good closing ratio with single guys. Okay. I'll admit <laughs> it. <laughs> I did. Okay. But, um, I didn't want that to be me. I didn't want it to define me. And I'm glad that somebody said that very early on because it made me want to try even harder to show my intelligence, my common sense, my emotional um, IQ, my, my ability to go walk into any crazy leasing situation and turn it around when, when the odds are against you. It, I, I chose to make it my fuel. And, um, and I will tell you that my career has not always been easy because a lot of people wanted to put me in a box. Um, when I became a professional speaker, uh, another speaker told me that nobody would take me seriously because of my looks. And that really bothered me. And, and I wanted more advice. And I said, well, help me with that. What should I do? And she says, I don't know. Maybe you come out on stage in a fat suit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. And I thought about it and I thought, man, there's days that I feel like I'm in that fat suit. I don't, I, I don't, I mean, that doesn't make sense to me either. I just want to be somebody who um, just is not known for my looks for any way, shape or form. 
And so I wanted to just really be all about content, but, but transparent. And so in every step of the way in my career, and I would, I would totally recommend this for anybody, be you, be who you are and don't be afraid of it. And, and dig deep to find those qualities that are just going to resonate and um, be a really great representation of you. Um, I, I don't think that I would be here today if I rested on any type of look, especially now that I'm in my early 50s. Nobody's going to believe that. So no, no, we live in good times. All right. Sunscreen. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, I really just want to encourage people that, you know, we all have um, th these great qualities in us that that can help us accomplish our goals and don't be don't worry about how other people define you you choose that definition and then live it i love that i think you know when you think about what we do you know we're in the marketing game of even communities we bring everything to the table with our communities yes it's the way that it looks it's the people it's all the different things and i think on a personal level the marketing you part we utilize everything that we have and i do think in a sea of so much similarity whatever you can use to differentiate yourselves mm -hmm. that's what people remember like if you just have something about you like I, to me i remember when i i remember when i listened to you speak one of the first times you infuse so much humor into what you do and i was surprised by that you know so when i became a speaker there was this other feeling because i have a harder time infusing humor i'm you know i'm not i'm fun with friends i'm silly but I am a you know, different kind of speaker. And I remember somebody gave me that advice and they very similar to what you just said. They said, there's already a Kate Good. There's already a Tony Blake. There's already a Jackie, but there's no Barbara. And so I think that's like the best advice we all can thrive on our differences. Yeah, yeah. And I, there are audience members that don't really love the humor. And then there's people that you know need to laugh, to learn, to pay attention. Um, and I, I, I totally agree with you, you know, with the apartment all-stars, I think we have a, a really good mix of people on our, on our speaking team, but I, I will say that not, people aren't necessarily picked because they're funny or they're entertainers. It's very important that we find people who connect with all the different audience members that we have. And one of the great things about the all-star tour is we'll put three, four, sometimes five speakers on stage in one day. And you just know, like everybody in the audience is going to uh, find a connection. And it, it really is just a very honest look at our profession and how there's just room for everybody. That's so true. So I think even if somebody's been in this industry for 10 days or 10 years, there's a lot that they can almost do to reinvent themselves in a sense, or to maybe they've been hiding some of those qualities for fear that it's not going to be the most popular. And I think giving yourself that permission to say, no, that's what makes you you. That's what people will connect with. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about, I know you've outlined some bullet points, some things that in a sense got you here because a lot of people look and they think, okay, from leasing to apartment developer, there's a lot of people that feel, oh my gosh, I don't want to just be a property manager for the rest of my life. And there's people that that is the dream. They might look at you and think, I want to speak and educate, or I want to get more into the development role. 
Can you outline maybe a few of those steps that you feel have been instrumental to help you get to where you are today? Well, there were two things that helped me get where I am today. The first one is that um, I had a, um, I was in a position where I had a fairly open dialogue with developers in our comp in the companies that I work for because they really needed me to lease up their properties or <laughs> they weren't going to be building any more of them. And so I would, gosh, I, 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 I would just say stuff like, why did you build it that way? I can't lease that. Or did you know that this kitchen drawer won't open <laughs> because of this drawer or because of the, the dishwasher, you know, or people don't like this bedroom. It's not big enough. Or I would just openly tell them why I couldn't lease their apartments. And then I would also tell them what did lease the apartments. And so I started getting called into development meetings just to give my opinion. And I can't even tell you if they really did anything different of those meetings, but I would start to see things trickle into the apartment communities. And, and that was, that was really great. So I wasn't afraid to, um, to be honest and, and, and not sugarcoat everything. I'm, I'm genuinely a happy bright side of the world person, but I think that sometimes it's also important to be very constructive in what we're sharing with others in our company, especially if we find a way to help. But do that constructively, always do it with solutions, not just gripes, you know, be a team player. And, um, and whenever somebody comes to me with, with a problem, a challenge, they better come to me with a, a couple of solutions too, because I'm busy. I don't have time to solve every problem, but I really love the team members who can help us solve problems. And so I think I was recognized as that person early on. Um, and then the other thing is that, um, <laughs> so I, I, my story kind of left off that on June 12th, I was promoted to uh, director of training. A few years later, Trammell Crow kind of broke up and part of the company became Gables and part of the company became Avalon. And um, at first they weren't sure what they were going to do with all of us in the Chicago office. I'm in Chicago at the time now. And because our region was being divvied up between a lot of regions. And a lot of groups, Mid-Atlantic, Northeast, Texas, Atlanta, we didn't know where we were going. And so they certainly didn't need the, the department that I was running, training and marketing, because there was going to be a lot of overlap there. And so <clears throat> they offered me a job as a regional manager. And I'm like, how much <laughs> alcohol does that paperwork, huh? Oh God, no. <laughs> the girl who doesn't like paperwork. I, I, to all the regional managers out there, I think you have one of the hardest jobs in property management. Those of you that have 10, you know, properties and especially in these times, holy cow, I just really could not see myself in that role. I didn't love being a property manager either. <laughs> so, um, so I kind of set off to, uh, to figure out at that point, how am I going to pivot? What's right for me? Um, and I was really sad that my dream job of director of training was eliminated. I went to Denny's for lunch that day with my Chicago Tribune and I ordered the ultimate omelet as I did on, on three days a week. I and I opened up these details. Like I, I'll, I remember it clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I opened up the trip and there was a, a couple of jobs in there for director of training. And I thought, Oh, I'll send off my resume. Let's see what happens. And one of them was to be 
the director of training for daytimers. And this was back when we all carried the leather planner, you know, <laughs> and we wrote down every detail. And, you know, now we do it on our smartphones. Um, but back then we did it in these beautiful leather binders. And um, I loved mine and I trained people to be um, more productive by having a system like that. And so I thought, well, I'm perfect for the job. And I interviewed and um, I did get the job. And um, very quickly, I learned that Stephen Covey was part of the team and he had written this great program. Stephen Covey went on to work for our competitor because they put his name on the marquee, but I had a chance to actually go on stage with Stephen Covey and be his opening act, if you will. Um, we were on NBC Nightly News, we were on the Today Show. It was like this crazy opportunity and I will never, ever, ever forget the fear um, that I had, but how, how I could overcome it. And it was just really a, a, um, an amazing time. And so I don't think I was necessarily qualified for this job that I interviewed for, but I think that's what I want to tell everybody is, you know, take that chance. It's, it's amazing how things kind of fall into favor. And, um, and if you are who you, you if, if you're living who you are and your true personality comes out, you're going to fall into opportunities that were just tailor-made for you. And I, that opportunity that I had with daytimers was amazing, but I didn't really want to stay with them forever. Um, <laughs> cause I was kind of just doing the same seminar over and over and over again, although it was really glamorous and fun to always have, you know, a thousand people in the audience. I didn't, I love the, the housing industry and I knew that my time working with the development team, I wanted to get back to that. So I interviewed, uh, to go with Gables and they gave me a position in training and we were building like crazy. And I just buddied up to the development group and I loved every minute of it. When I left Gables, I decided that I wanted to be a speaker trainer for hire. And somebody said to me, well, if you, if you do that, um, you, you should probably be doing the sales and marketing too. In other words, we sh you should probably consult. So I reached out to a lot of those Trammell Crow developers who had gone on to other entities and just said, hey, I'm a solo act now, hire me. And I started getting hired to be on their development teams. And very quickly, I was just so excited to be kind of the developer's best friend and in a position that, that again, was bigger than I thought I was, but I was quickly learning how to do it. And so I had a really nice career as a, as a consultant and I specialized on new developments and I learned so much. Well, and it sounds like all the things that you, that passion for interior design, you got to almost play your hand at that. I'm sure during those consulting times too. So over the years, you continued to speak, you continued to consult. How did that develop into even being more of a full-time thing in the development space? The recession of 2008, yeah. <laughs> eight, nine, and 10. Girl, I was so busy on airplanes constantly. I, I could have had a, a team of 100, but that client wanted me there. And I could only be in so many places at one time. My personal life was just, you know, taking a toll because I had to be on airplanes so much, living out of a suitcase. Uh, I remember in 2009, I, I spent 154 nights in a hotel. And that's lonely 
I didn't want to do that anymore. People think it's very glamorous and mm -hmm. it's, it's not when you're not getting to spend those cities, you know, you're not seeing those cities with people you love. You're really by yourself. I mean, the room service and taking a yeah. hot bath, that feels good, but it's not all it's cut out to be. Yeah. And I wasn't staying in the hotels where I would dare take a hot bath. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was in like Hampton Inn, Farrelden, like those are nice hotels, but um, yeah, they didn't. They didn't have, but they, it just didn't feel like I should I take a bathroom <laughs> and don't bring a blue or black light, right? Ah, but I, uh, I, okay, so do you remember that book, The Secret, and we were all doing our vision boards? Uh -huh. Okay, well, here we go. This is goal setting, right? Visualize your goals. That's what, that's the bottom line. That's what it was all about. Somebody just wrote a very smart book about it, made a ton of money, and I thought, man, I'm already doing this. But I decided to kind of revisit it and say, all right, I got magazines. Maybe I'm going to create a goal board. So I did. But mine was a three-part goal board, right? And I set it up in my bathroom every day, and I would look at it. And with a Sharpie marker, I would mark. I would check things off. I would put the date when it happened. I was, like, serious about this. But one of the things that I wanted to do was to get off the road, join a development team, and um, be working kind of for one client. And I hadn't been gainfully employed for years. So this was, this in itself was a risk because what if I didn't like it? What if, what if I couldn't get to work in every day, you know, and so, you know, all these things were running through my mind. Oh my gosh, I got to dress up for work every day. Um, but I reached out to one of my friends, Sanford Steinberg. He's an architect in Houston. And I told him what I was looking for. And he said, Kate, I know somebody and he needs you. And he connected the two of us and we had a couple really great phone conversations. I flew to Houston um, originally I was just going to be a consultant and he, and I'll, I'll never forget. Um, he asked me, do you know anyone that can fill this full-time role? Because your, your prices are really high and I feel like I can get a full-time person for that. And I thought, all right, well, I, I know a lot of people. Let me see who I can find. And he said, well, why not you? And I said, yeah, why not me? I said, but let me think about it. What is it? what does that mean? I said, I, I don't want to just be an employee. I want to be a partner. I want to have ownership. I want to, I want to have that decision-making capability. I want to run the group. I, I, I really truly want to be a partner to you. And he said, I wouldn't have it any other way on your flight home tonight, write down what you need and then let's talk about it. Well, Barbara, I, I think I had a list of 32 things, but as travel has it, and this is what makes it not so glamorous, that four hour flight home turned into 15 and a half hours of delays, sitting in an airport. My list of 32 went down to like four. <laughs> Healthcare, <laughs> I need some time off. <laughs> yep. I wanna be 50-50 and all this. You know, it was just like, this is it. It boiled down to what was really important to me and I got rid of everything else that I thought was important because I got back to the core of it. I needed to, I really wanted this. this I didn't know if I'd ever have that opportunity again. And I just felt like oh, it was right in front of me. Don't screw it up with unrealistic expectations. So I was just very realistic and I moved to Houston and that's when I started um, Huntington Residential, which is a division of HPI Huntington Properties. We were always known as a retail developer and I would be the person to start the multifamily division. That is so exciting. And it sounds like 
you were able to take all of these experiences from the very beginning, because I think you said it right. We, a lot of times, so being a marketing agency, we get called in with the developers at the tail end. And by that point, you're like, wait, why did we do this many three bedrooms? And why? Yeah. And you don't have the same vision. And I think for you being able to come in with the experience, what people don't know is that as a speaker, you also get to have the experience of hearing from people all over the country. So you're not just, it's not just your personal, it's everything. And it sounds like you were able to really hone all of that together to bring all of your passions together. Yeah, I, I do think we, we all have. The greatest thing about our business is that it's all the same people our business cards just change. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I've, I really developed a fantastic network of experts and just really uh, great people who love to share. And one time we were in a development meeting on the first project we did, and we were trying to decide about building desks into apartments. And I, I knew that I knew that I had leased apartments that had you know great desk space in them, but I really wasn't sure. Did we need a closet? Did I want it to be an accessory closet? Did I want it to be a desk? What should it be? And literally during the meeting, I got online and I just put the question on Facebook. And by the time the meeting was kind of coming to an end, I looked down, I had 53 comments from the greatest leasing consultants throughout the country who were giving me their opinion, posting pictures of their desks and, and what it would need and what it, what it should look like if we were building that into the apartment. And I, I just said to the development team, my committee of experts has concluded that <laughs> we need to build these desks, but they need to be more like dumping stations where you come home from work and you plug everything in and you recharge it. And it's also where the mail goes and where you, you keep your laptop and your, your backpack. And um, boy, they all made me smarter and helped me build a better apartment community um, because they shared. But also, I wasn't afraid to ask. I never feel like I have all the answers. Um, I don't live in an apartment anymore. I still lease a lot of apartments, but I, I, I want to hear from leasing consultants and renters to build a great product. Yeah, I think it's important as a speaker and especially a developer, we can never get disconnected. I'm not a developer, but just, you know, you don't want to get disconnected from the core, which can happen. And I think that's why you've been able to stay so relevant is because you're not, you're always in the trenches still to some extent. I always love seeing how you're with your teams. I feel like you motivate them, you keep things fun, you keep it exciting. And so let me ask you, what are you excited about right now? What are the things that, because I know not, probably not everything of development is your favorite, but what are Ooh. the things that are your favorites? What's, what's the best part of the job? The best part of the job is to uh, start with a CAD file, a CAD file that, that shows you how big the land is. And then we look at the market and then we start to really imagine what it could be. And um, we're not cookie cutter. We're not trying to take, you know, one plan and plop it on, you know, the same type of acreage across the great state of Texas. But we are doing something that um, uh, has not been built before in Houston. And it's a project I have under construction right now. And it's a mixed use apartment community that is all micro apartments. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, it's, it is. Our average square footage is like 490 square feet. And I've got apartments that are as small as 380 square feet. <laughs> and they're adorable. They're great. And we figured out a way to make them functional. And 
I think as we're heading into this kind of uncertain economic time, we're just going to kill it in the market because the, the, the apartment industry typically prices things based on square footage, price per square foot. So I want to get, you know, that 250 a foot. But when I look out into the market, we're only getting in Houston, we're only getting that 250 and better a foot on one bedrooms on the smallest apartments. And so we were able to design an apartment, a whole apartment community that is all the, the, a, a micro apartment, a small apartment. And, um, and so I will always have the lowest rent, but for a while I'll be the newest apartment community in the market. And I think that we're, we're going to gain a lot of attention because we did all the bells and whistles of a, of a glammy apartment community. We put the, the pool on the roof and um, yeah, glass um, um, uh, uh, railings so you could see through and this beautiful view of downtown Houston. We've got trees that um, just light up and change color and we've got a jumbotron. You could sit in the pool and watch the jumbotron and uh, we made it really super glammy because if you're living in you know 450 square feet, you want to get out and, and go do things at your community. But we're going to be the, the hot place to live. And um, um, I think that we're creating a great environment. And that's, that's super fun to me to just imagine what it could be. And right now, just down the street from where I live, in fact, when I look out my dining room window, I can see the crane. And I wake up every morning and I see that crane moving and I get so excited about that. And the, you know, this time next year, we're going to be leasing those apartments. And when we roll out a new apartment community, we've got one that's opening right now in Baytown. I was walking it yesterday and I'm meeting the people that are moving into it on July 10th. That's our first date of occupancy. And I get tickled to think we built a home. I was talking to the fire marshal yesterday and he was talking about other apartment communities that he's inspected in the area. And he just said, I wouldn't want my kids to live there. He said, but this one was built really well. You were so thoughtful. And I said, yeah, because every minute of the way I see the people that will live in this apartment and I never get away from the fact that it's somebody's home and that they care about the space. They care about um, a lot of things like their privacy, sound, storage, and I want to build that home for them. And they may only be there for a few years as they're renting, but I, I think about those years that I was a renter and they were just, you know, life-changing years. And I know that people will have those experiences in our apartments. I love that because, you know, I think about how you can go back and think about any time in your life and you always think about what home was I living in at the time. So it's like yeah. home is always at the backdrop. I have to tell you though, I think those apartments are gonna be the small, the micro. I didn't tell you before, we talked a little bit about how we were building a home. While we did, my husband convinced me, this, the, the man, the only man that could convince me to do this, I lived in a fifth wheel that was less than 400 square feet for two years. What? Yes. Oh my God. And I will tell you, I did a little marketing segment on why that, I, you know, I think it is the rage, especially just because we only have so much time and caring for a big space. It's like, I think you shared this the other day too, just how we're really getting back to what's important right now. And it's not stuff. It's really small. You know, that you want your favorite things, but you don't need a lot of things. So I think you guys yeah. are going to kill it with that. Thank you. I might have to have you give a testimonial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So you know what? We, I, I love this conversation. I have a couple more questions because I would be remiss if I let 
this conversation in without asking. You have the most beautiful sense of style. And I, I want to just know, what, how important do you think it is for people to put themselves together well? What advice would you give, even to somebody maybe low budget that doesn't have a lot to spend? How could they start investing in pieces or in things that just makes their style? Because I feel like you've got your style that you're known for. And I feel that is a part of what's made your brand so successful is that it's identifiable and it's also, um, it's relatable too. Thank you. Okay. So first of all, everybody needs to know I, I shop at consignment shops. <laughs> um, I, um, I really, I don't, I'm not out there spending money on big brands or anything like that. I just, I really think it is about, you know, presenting yourself really, really smartly. Um, I one time was flying from Chicago to Detroit and I, it was one of the first times I'd been upgraded to first class, you know, so I was just so excited for this 40 minute flight to Detroit. And, um, the guy sitting next to me was a executive producer for the Oprah Winfrey show. And he also was, uh, I want to say the senior vice president of Harpo. So he not only was involved in the show, but he was involved in building Oprah's, um, um, uh, like an entire empire, right? Yeah. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I have a chance. To <laughs> I'm going to ask him a question. And so I, 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 I don't even remember how I found out his position, but I said, I have a question for you. What do you believe um, makes women successful? You work with one of the most successful women ever in the history of women. Tell me. And he said, something that I thought was kind of interesting. He said, women will always have a chance, have a hard time finding a seat at the table because people don't know you until you get to the table. He said, so dress like you belong at that table. And he said, most importantly, don't ever, um, I'm searching for the words he used. It's been many years. Um, don't become stale. Yeah. He said, always be fresh so that you are kind of noticed and, and you don't want to be noticed for cleavage hanging out and all those kinds of things, but, but be, be fresh because, um, because you've, you've done something that is, is current or you, you just wear it so well that it, it, it tailors to you, not just in, in cut, but your personality. And he, he really said it, it is important, no matter who you are, that your, your appearance speaks for the person that you are. And if you think about Oprah, and Oprah, we saw Oprah go through every shape and size, we right? <laughs> we really did. But she always looked good in her, in her skin. She looked good in her clothes. She wore it well. And I think that she had a distinct sense of style. And that's, that's what he was communicating to me, you know, to be fresh and, and, and figure out what your style is. And, you know, that's what people will, they will notice that first. And I, I was, I was tickled, um, last year at NAA, somebody posted a picture of my shoes that I was wearing on stage. And this is the crazy part, Barbara, those shoes I shopped for kind of in a panic the night before I left and I found them on sale and I love them. And then I got to, to Denver and I didn't like the outfit that I had picked to go with it. And I hopped in an Uber and I went to Banana Republic 
And um, I shopped on the sale rack and I, I said, oh, this, I'm going to wear this white suit with a black belt and tie in these shoes. And I, I had a specific look that I was looking for and it, nothing I put in my suitcase or even had at home was going to be right for that. And I think that's important. Like know, know what you want to look like, have that vision and, and really, you know, think about it. We, every day when we show up for work, we're making a statement about who we are. And, you know, I, I think that in this business, people are making major decisions with us. They're a leasing consultant. They're making it a $25,000, $30,000 decision with you. You look the part, you know, that, that you, you, you are somebody who um, as, is poised to help them make that decision. I think so, because you, a good outfit can change even a bad mood. And so if yeah. you feel confident, I know the days that I'm like, I wore pants that were too tight and the whole day I'm like, oh, oh, and it just, it throws off everything. It sounds so silly, but I love that signature piece that we get. We've got Oprah and we've got Kate. We could look to to remember your signature style. So can Kate, I just put myself on the same level with Oprah? <laughs> you kind of did. You kind of <laughs> went there. <laughs> That's awesome. You can be the Oprah of our industry. Okay. Well, I love this conversation. I have one last question that I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast. So when people think of Kate Good, what is one word that you would love to come to mind for friends, family, those that know you, colleagues, what's that word and why? Uh, enthusiastic. Um, I'm, I'm enthusiastic when I meet other people and they, they ask for, you know, help or an introduction. I enthusiastically want to help them. I'm enthusiastic with um, every time I get on stage, I want to tell you, I'm always nervous. Always. It, it doesn't matter how many years I've been doing this. I am nervous. But what propels me is that if you're not nervous, you're not ready. And I am so excited to, to get on stage and, and, and share and talk and laugh and learn that um, my enthusiasm propels me on the days that the flight was delayed and I only got three hours of sleep or I woke up to some bad news, but I'm really excited to, to be able to go do this. I'm enthusiastic about the, the friends that I have, the family I have. I'm enthusiastic about being invited to do this podcast. Thank you so much. And I always just want people to um, see my energy through enthusiasm. That's a great word. And I think, I think that does shine through. I see that not only the impact that you have in the stages, but it seems like in your circle of friends, you kind of have that connection with everyone that you bring that fun, that loving kind of spirit to those, especially closest to you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Kate, this conversation has exceeded my expectations. We're like, we're like virtual besties now that we... I love it. <laughs> so for those that aren't connected with you yet, how can they follow you or connect with you? What's the best way? Well, you know, social media is great. I love the conversations. I want you all to know. Um, I, I, I love to see comments and posts. And, and so you can find me on Facebook, backslash Kate Good. Instagram, it's Kate Good's World. Um, and Kate Good on, on LinkedIn too. You can always reach out to me, Kate at KateGood.com. I love to hear from people. Thank you so much, Kate. I really have appreciated it. And I think the audience is going to love this conversation. Thank you. So there you guys have it. My conversation with Kate Good, this apartment all-star 
apartment developer really shows us the possibilities that we can do all different things and we don't have to be put into any kind of a box. So I think it's a great message for anybody, whether you're just starting out in this industry or you've been here for many, many years and are maybe looking to reinvent yourself. So make sure that you're following Kate and all the apartment all-stars. Uh, as soon as all this coronavirus and quarantine's over, the all-stars will be back at a city near you. I know they're doing webinars and different things like that, but soon they'll be back in person. And we can't wait to see these guys again on stage. They really, I mean, they're, they're the ones that everybody comes to see. So we can't wait. Again, Kate, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next week on another episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. Thank you.